This is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in United States v. Taylor, certiorari to United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, argued December 7th, 2021, decided June 21st, 2022. For his participation in an unsuccessful robbery during which his accomplice shot a man, Respondent Justin Taylor faced charges of violating the Hobbs Act, that's 18 U.S.C. section 1951A, and of committing a crime of violence under section 19, or section 924C. The Hobbs Act makes it a federal crime to commit, attempt to commit, or conspire to commit a robbery with an interstate component, section 1951A. Section 924C authorizes enhanced punishments for those who use a firearm in connection with a crime of violence, as defined in either Section 924C3 Cap A, known as the Elements Clause, or Section 924C3 Cap B, known as the Residual Clause. Before the District Court, the government argued that Taylor's Hobbs Act offense qualified as a crime of violence under Section 924C. Taylor ultimately pleaded guilty to one count of each of violating the Hobbs Act and Section 924C. The district court sentenced Taylor to 30 years in federal prison, a decade more than the maximum sentence for his Hobbs Act conviction alone. Taylor later filed a federal habeas petition focused on his Section 924C conviction, which was predicated on his admission that he had committed both conspiracy to commit Hobbs Act robbery and attempted Hobbs Act robbery. Taylor argued that neither Hobbs Act offense qualified as a crime of violence for purposes of Section 924C after United States v. Davis. In Davis, this court held that Section 924C3 Cap B's residual cause clause was unconstitutionally vague. At, uh, in his habeas proceeding, Taylor asked the court to apply Davis retroactively and vacate his Section 924C conviction and, sent, and sentence. The government maintained that Taylor's Section 924C conviction and sentence remained sound because of his crime of attempted Hobbs Act robbery qualifies as a crime of violence under the Elements Clause. The Fourth Circuit held that attempted Hobbs Act robbery does not qualify as a crime of violence under Section 924C3 Cap A. The Fourth Circuit vacated Taylor's Section 924C conviction and remanded the case for resentencing. In reaching its judgment, the Fourth Circuit noted that other courts have held that attempted Hobbs Act robbery does qualify as a crime of violence under the Elements Clause. The uh, Supreme Court held... A uh, decision below is affirmed, and Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion in the court. Attempted Hobbs Act robbery does not qualify as a crime of violence under Section 924C3 Cap A because no element of the offense requires proof that the defendant used, attempted to use, or threatened to use force. The court applies a categorical approach to determine whether a federal felony may serve as a predicate for conviction and sentence under the Elements Clause, which poses the question whether the federal felony in question has an element, the use, has as an element, the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force, Section 924C3, Cap A. The relevant inquiry is not how any particular defendant may commit the crime, 
but whether the federal felony at issue always requires the government to prove beyond a reasonable doubt as an element of its case the use, attempted use, or threatened use of force. This court has long understood similarly worded statutes to demand similarly categorical inquiries. See, for example, Borden versus United States. An attempted Hobbs Act robbery does not satisfy the elements clause. To secure a conviction for attempted Hobbs Act robbery, the government must prove that the defendant intended to complete the offense and that the defendant completed a substantial step towards that end. See, for example, United States versus resendez Ponce. An intention is just that, no more. And whatever a substantial step requires, it does not require the government to prove that the defendant used, attempted to use, or even threatened to use force against another person or his property, even if the facts would allow the government to do so in many cases. As the Model Penal Code explains, with respect to the Hobbs Act's common law robbery analog, there will be cases appropriately reached by a charge of attempted robbery where the actor does not actually harm anyone or even threaten harm. It's ALI Model Penal Code, section 222.1 at page 114. But no element of attempted Hobbs Act robbery requires proof that the defendant used, attempted to use, or threatened to use force. The government's countervailing arguments fail. The government first argues that the elements clause encompasses not only any offense that qualifies as a crime of violence, but also any attempt to commit such crime. But the elements clause only asks whether the defendant did commit a crime of violence as defined by the statute. The government next argues that the substantial step element of attempted Hobbs Act robbery categorically requires it to prove that a defendant used, attempted to use, or threatened to use physical force. But while many who commit the crime of attempted Hobbs Act robbery do use, attempt to use, or threaten to use force, the government's problem is that no element of attempted Hobbs Act robbery requires the government to prove such facts beyond a reasonable doubt. The government maintains that anyone who takes a substantial step towards completing Hobbs Act robbery always or categorically poses a threatened use of force because the word threat can be used to speak of an abstract risk. The government submits that the elements clause uses the term to require only an objective, if uncommunicated, threat to community peace and order. But when Congress uses the word threat in such an abstract and predictive rather than communicative sense, it usually makes its point plain. The textual cues in the statute point in the opposite direction of the government's reading. Moreover, the government's view of the elements clause would have it effectively replicate the work formerly performed by the residual clause. Under usual rules of statutory interpretation, the court does not lightly assume Congress adopts two separate clauses in the same law to perform the same work. See, for example, Mackey versus Lanier Collection Agency and Service. The government's final theory accepts that a conviction under the elements clause requires a communicated threat of force and contends that most attempted Hobbs Act robbery prosecutions involve exactly that. But, whatever this argument proves, the theory cannot be squared with the statute's terms. 
Congress in the Elements Clause did not mandate an empirical inquiry into how crimes are usually committed, let alone impose a burden on the defendant to present proof about the government's own prosecutorial habits. Attempted Hobbs Act robbery does not categorically require proof of the elements of Section 924C3 Cap A. That ends the inquiry, and nothing in Gonzalez versus Duenas Alvarez suggests otherwise. The decision below is affirmed. Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Justice Thomas and Alito filed dissenting opinions. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I can be reached at roadscholar80 at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, get a hold of me there or find the PayPal link in the show notes.